you cat and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, the show for people with both cats and dogs who want peace in their home and peace between their animals. I'm Naomi Rotenberg, your source of practical strategies for keeping everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. And today's episode is a dog and cat chat with Joseph. so much for taking some time to talk with me today. I'm excited to get into this one. And so please tell us about your pets and your current situation with them. And we'll try to figure out what the next steps will be. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I think this is just a really awesome thing. I don't know. It's kind of cool because it's awesome for me, obviously, because I get help from a professional. But like just for anyone else who might be like, is this a just me situation? And maybe it will be just me. (laughs) But maybe someone else listening might be like, oh, my dogs do that or my dog or cat do that, too. Yeah. So I have two dogs and two cats. I also have a rat, but he's not really part of the situation. So (laughs) he gets to stay out of this one. So my older dog, Nymeria, is perfect with the cats. She raised our older cat when she was like a three-year-old kitten. But Kenai, the younger one, he's about a year old. And he, so when he came home, he was about, he was, he'd barely turned eight weeks. So he was a rescue. And like, I had met him and his litter like before. And the the day I was like, how soon can I bring him home? So he's been with the cats from a very young age. And he ignored them for the most part. Like he didn't really try to interact with them. They were around pretty consistently. Like sometimes they would just kind of sleep in their general vicinity, but he never tried to chase them or anything until after he got neutered. Like I feel like that was a big, like a few weeks later, all of a sudden he started trying to eat one of them and freaking out at the other. And that's where it's kind of gotten a little weird because he reacts to each of them very differently. Mm-hmm. So I have my older cat, Anya. She is a short-haired black cat, and she kind of hates everyone outside of the immediate family. Also sometimes me. So she's like, I don't know if it's just because we got her so young, and so she never picked up like social interaction from cats at that developmental stage, because she will like suddenly just decide I'm going to lash out and dig into you. (laughs) And it is very painful. And then it stops. Uh So it'll just be like, I'm going to hurt you. Okay, I'm done. Feed me or something. This is to humans. Yeah, to humans. And she she does it to him sometimes. And so he's afraid of her. But lately, he's they've suddenly been okay with each other. Like this morning, actually, we were all just kind of piled up in bed. And she's like very much my husband's cat. So she is always mm. just on him in some capacity. And she does this thing with my other dog where she'll kind of like, they'll boop each other's noses. Like every morning and every night, it's very cute and she tried to do it with him and he had no idea what was going on because she has randomly attacked him before too so he's like oh no i'm gonna (laughs) die so when he kind of lashes out towards her he does this thing where he like stiff legs and like kind of huff barks and is like it's very clearly like alerting this cat get it away Mm -hmm. i think maybe because he has some reactivity to other things like we've been working with him a lot to help him feel safe at home so i wonder if that's why he is more able to like settle around her Mm -hmm. but if sometimes this happened like right before i came into this room for the call if she's sitting in the hallway he will not go in he'll kind of whine and then I stand in between and then he's fine. <laughs> he's like, mm, Got it. I don't trust her. But okay. but overall, like he doesn't really try to chase her anymore. Also, because if he does, she'll chase him back. <laughs> she, does not, she does not let anyone mess with her. But my other cat is the one where I'm like really kind of 
not sure what to do because Prudence is, so she's a big fluffy gray cat and she is ridiculously sweet and so I don't know if it's maybe like she reminds him of like a toy that's where I'm not sure if it's like a predatory thing or if he's like redirecting on her because sometimes he'll be fine like they'll just be sitting next to each other and then all of a sudden he's trying to stick her whole head in his mouth and I'm like no (laughs) so I'm I just kind of have to, like, grab him and move him away. Mm -hmm. We've gotten very good about, like, practicing disengagement from her. So, like, if he tries to go up to her, he started sometimes to, like, automatically turn around. But then, like, is it, like, he's not really stalking. Like, he'll just... Hi, friend. Someone's walking their dog in front of our window, and he's not having it. They're gone. I promise. Yeah, you really told him, huh? (laughs) and you were starting to fall asleep that must have been really startling that's why i think sometimes it's maybe like a redirection thing because like say something like that happens if she's like there i feel like he's more likely to be like who am i gonna take this out on okay you Mm -hmm. like it's almost like it's pent up Mm -hmm. but then sometimes it's not sometimes he'll be like completely chill they'll even be like next to each other and i think that's the other thing that makes it difficult is she does not care like you'd think she would act afraid of him or hide and I guess I'm glad she's not stressed out enough to the point where she's hiding. Mm -hmm. But I'm also like, maybe flopping in the middle of the floor right in front of him is not the best thing to do. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we have gates and various little escape places for them. So she's not subjected to him, but she'll just kind of watch him start to go for her. And then she just kind of weakly meows. And I'm like, no, don't just let him do that. Yeah, so it is a really kind of fun situation because we basically have within one household two very different scenarios that require very different Mm -hmm. plans to work through. And this is a great illustration of why I hate the phrase, like, the dog is good with cats or like, (laughs) the cat is good with dogs. Mm-hmm. They might have been good with one cat, but this cat mm-hmm. is different. So it's just kind of a piece of the puzzle. So what we need to kind of unravel is what is kind of the nature of the interactions between him and yeah. each of the cats? What is each of those animals kind of getting out of their interactions? Getting in a positive way and also like getting in a, <laughs> you know, um, a stressful way? What's yeah. what really like kind of generally going on so uh you alluded to you've been working with him on helping him feel more comfortable at home can you tell me a little bit more about that does it have to do with like alert barking out the out the window stuff like that yeah so our apartment is like at the very front of our complex and before he came home it was cool we had these like basically this entire front wall is a window Mm -hmm. and my older girl she does not care She's not a fan of other dogs, but it doesn't bother her if they're not near enough where they could hurt her. Mm -hmm. Whereas with him, he, I think just a big combination of things, but he can be pretty like noise sensitive. Or if there's like right now when he lost it, there was a person walking their dog and it's not far back from the sidewalk at all. It's like maybe 10 feet Mm -hmm. as the crow flies Mm -hmm. so for him it's like there's suddenly dogs or like there's a church up the block and there's a lot of people doing events and stuff so there's like sudden steady stream of people and then nobody Mm -hmm. so i think it's very unpredictable for him yeah okay yeah that's just coming home sudden environmental contrast is very difficult that's and he had some like negative experiences (laughs) when he was a puppy that i feel like 
there was like a clear before and after of when he started reacting to things and people like his first solo walk which was in our neighborhood we got rushed by an off-leash lab that ran out of its house and decided to start circling us and snarling and he was barely like they had cleared him for his shots for walks so he was like this Mm -hmm. and that was his first walk without our other dog yeah so that was not great yeah so yeah so related to kind of events in his past you mentioned Mm -hmm. the neutering so at what age did the neuter happen he i want to say he was about five and a half months i tried to push it back but since he is from a a rescue they like had like a window where it needed to be by also because they organize it yeah yeah so five and a half months is usually the beginning of adolescence mm-hmm. which is a very difficult time for beings in general i think back to everyone's teenage years and it's not really a great look for most of us and doing neuters at that time can definitely affect behavior because hormones mm-hmm. affect behavior and when you mess with the hormones then you mess with a lot yeah. of stuff. Oh, yeah. And I know in my head, I'm like, it could have just been like a because he hit adolescence. But I know that's kind of the like milestone marker that I remember was like, oh, yeah, it was about right after this happened. Yeah. And there, it, it's really hard to unpack which aspect of it was difficult. Mm-hmm. And it's probably both. <laughs> so let's just say adolescence was a struggle. Um, he learned things are not okay <laughs> uh certain right he's to be alert yeah, yeah. for for things so if that includes the cats how old is he now he is a year and one month okay okay so that was not that long yeah so he's still in a difficult time by the way so like, <laughs> this is not to say oh you know he'll grow out of this because yeah yeah no but he's we're acutely <laughs> <laughs> you're like okay <laughs> And he's not a small dog, so they go. their adolescence actually lasts longer. Yay for you. So just kind of keeping that in mind. Mm-hmm. With the cats, you were mentioning redirection as, an op- as a potential thing mm-hmm. that he does with prudence, especially if he's trigger stacked by other stuff that he is alerting to or, or he's really kind mm-hmm. of unable to truly settle down, get enough good rest then he will be crankier. He will be more reactive to things that are not immediately the thing that's actually stressing him out. Again, yeah, like you said, like whoever is closest. What's interesting, though, is looking at the cat's reaction. Okay, has he ever hurt Prudence? No. I'm I'm always checking her and I'm sure she's even more like, oh, great, now you're doing something to me. But he... (laughs) I'm I'm always worried that he will because like I want to say there have been times I'm like okay you have like her entire head in your mouth somehow get off yeah but she's never like she doesn't have any marks on her she doesn't ever walk funny when I'm watching her she doesn't seem to care much because she's just kind of like okay yeah but she definitely is not enjoying it it's definitely I don't think play right well it's not for her Yeah, definitely not. (laughs) So this is usually where when we're trying to like kind of disentangle multiple cases within the same animals, I always like to try to take as much data as possible about what was happening right before any of these things, right? You mentioned it can kind of come out of the blue and or it might be a redirection. Mm -hmm. Does the behavior that he exhibits towards her change based on what 
happened right before, right? So if he, mm-hmm. is he more likely to put his, her head in his mouth if he was just laying there and all of a sudden said, you know what, I'm going to interact with her and that's how he chooses to do it versus mm-hmm. a chase might happen if he's redirecting. I don't know. I'm just making that up. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely more when he's stressed because one of the things um, that I started doing with him and then just with both of the dogs, my parents live in a nice quiet suburb and they have a big yard. Mm-hmm. And so since I have a second job that I do the first couple of days of the week, I am basically not home until like 8, 8.30. So rather than have them just be like bored or potentially crated since my husband doesn't get home until like 7, they get to stay with my parents for a couple of days and get spoiled. Mm-hmm. Like my big girl has her own room <laughs> and he gets a yard and he sleeps on their couch. And I've noticed he is a lot more able to chill around them and it's a lot less pronounced like the first couple of days when he comes back. Mm. And I think that's just because it's a much more relaxed environment from him. I mean, he sleeps all day. It's not loud. There's not a lot of triggers. And he gets lots of enrichment from, because my dad's at home, so he just plays with him all day. Or my mom will cook them food. Like, she bought them steak the last time. And I'm like, they're not going to want to come home with (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... If it that's, you know, two or three days out of the week that he's there, that's like mini cortisol holiday mm-hmm. each week. And so it does make sense that, you know, for some animals that chill will, it'll kind of t- um, carry over even when they go yeah. back into the stressful environment, but it's not going to last forever. Like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Other animals are like, as soon as they get into the stressful environment again, it's like it never happened. But, <laughs> but he seems to be able to um, continue that relaxation at least a little bit, which is good because that gives us a really good opportunity to notice that trigger stacking and say, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, clearly this is a factor that a di- what we call a distant antecedent or a motivating operation, which is basically like there are certain things in the environment or routine that don't directly have anything to do with the behavior, but have a large, they affect the value or the intensity of mm-hmm. the behavior or whatever that consequence of the behavior, how they feel about whatever happens afterwards, right? So Mm -hmm. the first thing that I would recommend is, I know you're trying to do this as probably as much as possible, but what we could look at is a plan to try to decrease the environmental stress that he Mm -hmm. has when he's with in your house, you're obviously not going to get the same (laughs) level of chill and enrichment and all that stuff that he gets at your parents' house. But There's always things that we can Mm -hmm. tweak or add. So that would be the first plan is to say, okay, can we arrange his environment so that he is less stressed in general? And then the second thing would be definitely starting to write everything down because I want to know how often these things are happening, how intense they are. And I say, let's rate that by like how much interference needs to happen on the part from the human's mm-hmm. perspective in order to end whatever conflict it is so that we can really start to say what's going on here what's let's yeah. unravel everything and if he is seeking distance 
from Anya because she freaks him out because (laughs) she will hold her own. That's going to have very different behavior work that we would want to do with him. We would basically just want to reinforce him for staying away from her. Mm -hmm. Um, which you're already kind of doing but we would also look at her to see if there's any situations that would cause her to kind of preemptively antagonize Mm -hmm. him and see if we can smooth those out so she doesn't feel the need to defend herself preemptively yeah now miss prudence is a little bit more of a mystery because we don't know what's going on in her little head yeah (laughs) What's the function of his behavior towards her? And also, what is she experiencing when (laughs) that behavior happens? And like this cost-benefit analysis that she seems to be having that we don't understand of like, okay, if he's freaking you out, you wouldn't try to hang out with him. Mm -hmm. And so there's something something going on there that... Yeah, there are times like if I leave them alone... Weirdly, they're fine. Mm. Like, if I'm, say, I'm in, like, in another room, I've come in, and they're just, like, laying next to each other. And I'm like, why does this... So sometimes I'm like, is it me? But I don't know. Does it happen when you're not home? Does your husband notice something? Sometimes they'll send me pictures, like, if there's, like, we have just our screen door, Mm -hmm. and, like, it's a sunny day. They'll both be laying there. Like, one point, she was, like, licking his ears, and he was just like, okay, this is nice. So, like, that's where I'm like, they sometimes can act not only peacefully but even affectionately right and then sometimes he's just like you seem tasty and then all of a sudden he comes up to you with a tuft of her hair sticking out his mouth and I'm like what have you done yeah well the the putting the the head in the mouth but yeah. out biting down is often not as scary of a behavior mm-hmm than it looks to us, right? He is being purposely very gentle. And there is a lot of different reasons why he might do that behavior. One might be a weird affection, wanting to play interaction quest. Mm -hmm. It could also be like, he is saying, stop doing whatever you were doing. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff going on there. Mm -hmm. But the fact that this has happened many, many, many times and that he has not hurt her and that she is not obviously freaked out by those interactions Mm -hmm. gives us a lot of information. Yeah. So number three, which is kind of a corollary to number two of taking data is I would recommend getting some cameras and seeing what happens when you are home and in the room Mm -hmm. with them and what happens when you are not home, because right now they have full access to each other Mm -hmm. when in your house, correct? When you're not home. When, when no one's home, the dogs are crated. Ah. So then the cats get full room of the house. And for the most part, when I want to say, like, I set up a camera like once just to make sure he wasn't freaking out mm-hmm. and he just kind of goes to sleep. My bigger dog, she will like, she goes to her crate if she's over him. Mm-hmm. So he, it's almost like his cue is when she goes into hers, if we're going out, he's like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'll do whatever you do. Which, if you could do that with the cats, would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean... But, yeah, so they do get that time away. So that's that's good, right? It's also, like, if you're not there, you can't interfere. Uh, I mean, you can't (laughs) intervene if something happens. So I would see if there really is a difference in their behavior. Mm -hmm. Like, 
if your presence cues a different set of behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. It is entirely possible that that is the case. And it doesn't mean that it's your fault. It just means that in the situ in the context where you are present, different behaviors have been reinforced in the past Mm -hmm. inadvertently or not inadvertently. (laughs) And therefore the kind of behavioral repertoire Mm -hmm. is different. And so looking at your presence, but also how you react to certain things. And I would love to see like, if the same kinds of situations happen when you're not there. And then when you are there, what, whether they look different, mm-hmm. I love me some data. Now, I don't know, you know, what we'll see on the cameras, but what we want to be paying attention to particularly is prudence. And I want you to, you say she doesn't look freaked out. I want to delve a little bit more into like what her body language is. Yeah. She has started like now she'll kind of hiss at him Mm -hmm. finally, (laughs) but she doesn't like display a lot of like just before anything, she doesn't kind of show any sort of like, Oh, that dog's there. I'm going to hide from him. Like she's just kind of like, you're in my house. Yeah. Yeah. So it really, I'm interested in whether she goes up to him to do mm-hmm. like their snuggling thing. And if she does, how often does that result in a conflict versus if she's just chilling and he mm-hmm. comes up to her, whether that results in conflict, right? So like these, like who's initiating mm-hmm. contact is very important as well, because it could be that she never initiates. She's just like, well, I was here already and <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not, it, it doesn't behoove me to move at this point for whatever reason. I'm just going to mm-hmm. see what happens. That happens a lot where cats are just like, I don't need to get up. It's not my fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm anthropomorphizing, obviously. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> why should I move? Like, he's the one who's being a dick. So, anyway, we need to know all that information because mm-hmm. then we can intervene appropriately. If we know that most of the time when she goes to to snuggle on him, everything is fine, then we don't mm-hmm. have... <laughs> fine is the worst word ever. Sorry. <laughs> Conflict does not tend to arise, right? Then those are situations that we can either just let ride or actively reinforce mm-hmm. versus if he comes up to her, if we see her tensing, we can say, mm-hmm. okay, before he even gets to her, we need to redirect him. And you've already started doing that. But I think part of the issue might be that there are kind of various types of interactions that they're having with each mm-hmm. other that without your intervention might lead to different outcomes. And so mm-hmm. if, we're tr- if we're treating each one of those as a nail because we have a hammer of calling him away, it might be kind of yielding these a little bit like strange slash different interactions. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So all of this is to say we need more information. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, while you're doing this, I would recommend working with him um, and actively reinforcing his redirection cues um, outside of these situations. So we are treating, you know, them with care like you're any training session right like you're gonna work sit you're gonna work his name come away right or you can tell him go to place and he can go to his crate or whatever you know kind of the touch is a good one um but 
this will be helpful for him barking out the window as well. So um, really actively and intentionally brushing up on those, making them a really positive interrupter so that Mm -hmm. he is much more willing to move away if you ask rather than you having to like drag him off of her head. (laughs) Because that's not ideal for anyone. And so that would be kind of like the mini project Mm -hmm. do as we're getting more information. How does that all land on you as next steps go? Yeah, yeah. No, I think I definitely need to and want to be more like logging antecedents and I think the cameras will help a lot because I'm like because sometimes it does feel like it's out of nowhere so being able to rewind it and see like what was going on would probably be super helpful in figuring it out yeah just from like you talking there are things that I'm like oh I think this was going on or something like that yeah and it's good to have another set of eyes as well so I love footage because I'm not there Uh, I can wax poetic on what I think might be happening but Mm -hmm. looking at body language and looking at you know things like who came on to who all that stuff (laughs) when you're in it it's hard to kind of take those apart and analyze them yeah no just yeah so the and the logging can be hard you know I ask almost all of my clients to do this and it can be really difficult but especially at this early stage to try to come mm-hmm. up with a good plan. It's very, very important. And so I'll probably do another episode of like what that logging should look like for, a, I mean, it's not going to be universal for everyone, but mm-hmm. generally what factors I'm looking for. But okay. I'm happy to talk with you offline <laughs> about that. That's a whole episode. So yeah. writing that down as a thing right now. Let's just go over... Going back, sorry, one thing is I gloss over this. The, the number one thing is the adjustment of your environment. Yeah. That's a large project that usually requires us, me asking you a bunch of questions, you sending me a video house tour, <laughs> things like that. But because we are looking for not just stressors from the cats, but also just like his general reactivity, it would be a, a more in-depth thing, right? Like, you know, yeah. You know that window is an issue. Like, where are the sticky spots? Not just mm-hmm. in conflict with the cats, but where he just, like, displays large, big behaviors. <laughs> so that would be something that we would do as well. I just wanted to head back to that. Yeah. No. And I do think, I do feel like that and his overall stress level can be a big factor into it. I know I kind of, I try to just, I know there's so many folks that like specialize in things. So I also have him, we're starting next week um, with a local IABC behavior consultant just to help him with like strangers. And I mean, he's also a lot less easily worked up than he was before, like when he was in peak adolescence. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, now we can actually do things like, you know, I can care about tricks and like walking nicely. Cause before I was just like, whatever we can do to help him feel safe. I don't care about that stuff. I can do that later, Mm -hmm. but now kind of can handle things. So I'm like, okay, well we can actually maybe look into everything else. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, So if you're working with, you know, you're starting work with a behavior consultant, it's always good to like have everybody as a team kind of coordinate and make sure like none of the stuff that, I might recommend would be counterindicated in their plan. It usually isn't if 
we're all kind of working on the same things with generally the same methods, but yeah. it's always good to kind of, because I might see things happening in a different rate mm-hmm. than I might expect if you weren't also working on something else. But bear in mind, right, these are two related, but both large projects, right? Like having a reactive stressed dog in general, large project. And so dealing with dog cat stuff in the home, also large projects. So there might be some balancing for you as well, like triaging back and forth. And that's to be expected. And it's okay. Just in terms of your mental health and (laughs) all of that, right? Just keeping that in mind and knowing that I'm very understanding your other consultant will be very understanding if we're all saying okay like this is more important at this time and switching back Mm -hmm. so what are you going to do today to start on these things so I think the biggest thing is I want to get cameras Mm -hmm. so I think I feel like that'll be kind of the biggest immediate way I can get a better idea of like what is going on Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I mean, I'm sure there's body language cues he's giving me if I'm not actively looking at him that I will not see Mm -hmm. and noticing things like that movement patterns. One of the other things I was also thinking of doing that I think I wanted to ask you about, Nicole, is I know you have the cool as a cucumber challenge. Mm -hmm. And I was like, considering getting us started with that, do you think that would be something that would be helpful for him? Definitely, right? If our overall goal is being able to chill more at home, then yes. Okay. It's one of the kind of like general things you can do to <laughs> increase relaxation in the face. Yeah. Of triggers. So yeah, it definitely could help. And it would probably be part of the larger plan that mm-hmm. we would do anyway. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Oh, he's asleep. I just threw a treat at your face. I'm sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought he was just laying there, but he is out. Oh, they're both out. Good. Okay. Yay. Yeah. We love we love sleepy dogs. Oh. Two sleepy dogs. Perfect. <laughs> so yeah, make sure that you also kind of think about where the spots in your house are that they tend mm-hmm. to have issues. Um, there's usually like a few locations. It's not usually like all over. So yeah. you can point your cameras at those spots. Okay. So you don't have to get like 27... <laughs> every angle all the time CCTV. yeah exactly um, we're not the louvre we're just you know <laughs> regular apartment but yeah thinking about that will help you narrow down what your log is going to look like as well okay yeah the location of house is important because we need to know where we are focusing on not only of trying to notice the conflicts but also mm-hmm. to give us a sense of where in the house we need to work with them to promote and reinforce appropriate behaviors. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Cool. I am excited for you. I'm really confident that you will make much more headway into the mysteries of what's going on. I think his relationship with Anya is pretty straightforward, but we're going to be focusing more on her with that. And then, you know, his love affair with Prudence, and we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes and uh, what he's really doing and what she's doing. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I think I have a lot more ideas for things now. I feel like I have a much greater sense of what's going on between them. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I was kind of 
more thinking, well, not of Anya because she's psychotic, but of Prudence as like a passive actor in it. And so thinking about kind of more like, well, why is she acting the way she's acting and kind of what can I gain on that side of things is something I hadn't considered. Yeah, it's going to be a fun mystery. I'm excited. So I look forward to hearing how things unfold and maybe we'll do a follow-up episode to see what we learn. That might be fun for people. And I want to thank you so much for coming on and having presenting us with this fun case. I thank everyone so much for listening. And as Josie said at the beginning, if this episode helped you feel less alone in your struggles with your cats and dogs, then you should subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss any other episodes. And please rate and review the podcast because that really helps other people find it. And I think it's a pretty good podcast. Other people do too, but it's nice to, you know, tell people about it. So do that. And if you want to be awesome like Josie and do a dog and cat chat with me on the podcast, please follow me on Instagram at CrazeworthyPets and you will find a link in my bio to schedule a time. And that is all for this episode, you wonderful cat and dog people. And I will see you next week for more It's Training Cats and Dogs. Bye.